Hello, everybody, and welcome in to a new episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter, here to uh, give you the latest in Mizzou athletics, talking football this week with Dave. And uh, a very interesting time for Missouri, Dave. You've got the momentum from that LSU upset, and the Tigers were not able to carry that into um, into their next game. The, the next opponent actually changed. Um, we'll dig into all of that. Um, along with some interesting comments Eli Drinkwitz has made this week as he's wrestled with this surprise bye week and all of a sudden a new opponent on the schedule. We'll dive into all of that in this week's edition. All football, Dave, and uh, lots of conversation now about the SEC in general, how it kind of went to toe-to-toe with coronavirus this week, but it seems like it has, for the most part, um, I don't want to say come out on the other side of this, but they're moving forward. Missouri's back on the field Saturday, not against Vanderbilt, but Kentucky, a team that just uh, gave Tennessee a, a reminder that Kentucky's a pretty good football program under Mark Stoops these days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Missouri fans and maybe just fans around the league are so dismissive of Kentucky at the beginning of every year because we still just think of it as a basketball school and it doesn't have great tradition in football. But Mark Stoops has just steadily built a program that's been really solid. Uh you know, they've been consistently the third best team in the East, you know, over the last five years or so. Um, they don't beat Georgia or Florida very often. They have not beaten Georgia in a long time. Um, they've actually struggled with Tennessee until last week, but they've dominated South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. And if you do that every year, you're going to be right in the middle of the division. And, you know, every once in a while, you'll have a pretty good season. They won 10 games a couple years ago, eight games last year without having a quarterback. And now they're doing – they look like a Mark Stoops team. They're playing really good defense, getting a bunch of turnovers, and they're running the ball as well as anybody in the SEC, and that's that's what Missouri faces now. When you look at uh, how this came to be, which, what do you make of this whirlwind? I mean, last week we were talking about, hey, Missouri gets a big win against LSU, and uh, we knew at that point there wasn't going to be a game last Saturday due to Vanderbilt having too many COVID cases, but we were looking ahead to – Florida, and we said, we'll spend this week previewing the Gators. Well, then the Gators were shut down because of an outbreak, including their head coach, Dan Mullen. What do you make of just what the SEC, before we dive deeper into Kentucky, what do you make of just what the SEC went through these past couple of weeks? Well, I think the league and the teams have been really agile in all this. They've gotten pretty good at this. I mean, they've got contingency plans all backed up, ready to go. This is why they cooked in those extra bye weeks, uh, really you know, three, if you count the weekend of the championship game, which right now it still looks like it's just going to be Alabama and Georgia. So if anybody else needs to have an extra uh, week because of COVID cases, December 19th will work for them too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think if they did it the right way, you know, the big 10 is going to probably when they start playing this week and if they have a team that can't play, they're not going to have that luxury because they didn't, they didn't give themselves by weeks like this. Um, so it's worked out so far. I mean, it, we've talked so much about, this season and what they're going to do with missing games and contact tracing. And it's easy to forget Missouri's only played three games. They've got seven left. So there's still a lot can still go wrong, not just with Missouri, but their opponents and the whole league. Um, and they're, they're using up, you know, most of those dates already. So I, I think the, the puzzle pieces will still sort of come undone and have to be put back together at some point. It'd be naive to think that, you know, everything is going to be fine from here on out. How did Missouri, uh, Missouri was in a spot where I, my thought, and we talked about this last week, my thought was, man, this stinks for Missouri because they've got that surge of interest and good vibes from beating LSU. Ideally, you like to carry that 
into the Vanderbilt game, a, a, probably your first game on paper that you should win um, yeah. based off of uh, how they started the season with three ranked opponents. And I'm going, man, that's a real, that's a real bad break for the Tigers. You kind of said, maybe not. They could be healthier. They could have a chance to catch their breath a little bit um, and, and really take advantage of a kind of a surprise bye week. How do you think they're coming out of this? I mean, they, it sounds like, knock on wood, we're recording this on, on, on Wednesday afternoon. Um, as of now, Missouri's back to full capacity on its, on its roster. That, of course, could change. But what do you make of what they, what they drilled down on during this, this week, not a week off, but a week to kind of regroup? And, and also, how are they doing you know, in terms of having their team available that they hope? Yeah, I, I think it could end up being a positive. Um, yeah, I think Eli Drinkwitz was more than happy to have a week off. You know, he, he has made the point that they it's at one point they were game planning for three different opponents for right. last week and this week combined because everything kept changing. So if anything, they got a little, they got ahead of themselves a little bit for Vanderbilt and Florida um, to some degree, maybe, but you know, nobody's in quarantine as of, as of Tuesday, nobody was in quarantine anymore. So you get some receivers back. Um, you get a keel buyers on your defensive line back, which is a, a positive. Um, other guys that had some bumps and bruises and some little injuries that were, they were able to play through, they get a week to recover. So I think considering what they started up against Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, um, if I were a player or a coach on that team, I would have appreciated a few days off there uh, and get that early buy because now they've got a really crucial two game stretch against Kentucky and Florida, and then they get another buy and then Georgia and then the final stretch. Now that's of course how we're looking at the schedule right now. Of course it all, it could all change. Um, Florida right now still has just a ton of COVID cases and a bunch of players in contact tracing. So who knows if that game is really going to happen in Gainesville on Halloween. But I think for now, you know, Kentucky's a tough enough opponent to get an extra week to just recover physically and then prepare for them. I, I think that's, you know, I, that should be a welcome, you know, a, a welcome and unexpected change to the schedule. What do you think that receiver depth chart is going to look like? in this first game back after a breakout performance by some names that really weren't uh, weren't supposed to be a big part of the picture, at least we didn't think. Um, I mean, there's Towski Dove, and, and, and he wasn't the only one who kind of had a breakout game against LSU. Do you think we could see some some churn there based off of even if some of these older guys and more experienced guys in the grad transfers who have not had the starts to the season that anybody hoped are, are back now available? I wouldn't put too much stock in the depth chart that they released on Tuesday because those things are very fluid um, and they're not necessarily even reflect what they're doing in practice. But, you know, they've got a lot of oars on there this week. They've got Toski Dove in there as a starter, but also Kiki Chisholm, who's back from quarantine, who was playing a lot of snaps the first two games more than any other receiver. Uh, Deontay Smith is, is up there. Uh, Michael Wilson is up there as a co-starter. Damon Hazleton is listed third string, but, you know, he was playing a lot of snaps before – he got put into the contact tracing. So I would guess that they will look and see who practices the best this week, start them, go in with the idea of playing a bunch of guys, and then just as the game unfolds, who's playing the best. And it's a good good situation to be in. I mean, those guys that that uh, that played well against LSU, they deserve to keep playing. But also, you know, the guys that were out, they did something in preseason to, to be able to get the roles that they had. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a good situation to have, you know, those backups got more practice experience with Basilak in the preseason than the starters did. And that showed in the LSU game, but this is going to be a whole different kind of challenge against Kentucky in the way that they, they defend the past. They're so disruptive. They don't really blitz at all. They play coverage all day long. So that's going to be a real challenge for Connor Basilak to be on the same page with his receivers all the time. 
We're going to dig into the keys against Kentucky and get Dave's SEC game of the week. We'll do both of those things right after this quick break. Dave, I have been harping on the Kentucky losing streak for years now. It's up to five. And I mean, really, it's it's a double-edged thing. You have to give Kentucky credit. Mark Stoops has built, you know, a, a strong program, one that is probably not appreciated enough because of Kentucky's status as a basketball school. But you also, as you said, there is a clear line in the SEC, and there's teams that beat Kentucky and there's teams that don't. And Missouri is one of those teams that doesn't for the past five years. This is a hurdle that Eli Drinkwitz needs to clear if he's going to get to where he wants to go here. I look at this game and I, I think there are some actual on-field components of it and we're going to get into that, but what do you make of just this losing streak? Is that, is that a real thing? I mean, there's not a player on this team that has ever beaten these guys and vice versa. A Kentucky player doesn't know anything about other than beating right. Missouri. I think I put in today's story, there are more players on Missouri's roster who have beaten Missouri than have beaten Kentucky because Missouri's got the punter who came from Kentucky, who was yeah. 4-0, even though Good he didn't point. he didn't play in all those games necessarily, but he was on the winning side. And he had uh, Ben Adrando is actually going to write about him for later in the week. And he had he was a pretty interesting guy. was was uh, pretty lighthearted about some of the some of that when he was on Zoom with the the media the other day. Um, you know, two of those five games were complete toss-up games on the last play of the game. Um, the officials absolutely botched that game in Lexington in 2017. Remember when Josh Allen, the, the really good defensive end now for the Jacksonville Jaguars, just knocked the ball out of J. Mod Moore's hand as Missouri's driving. And the officials just casually went over and picked up the ball. And the SEC came out, to its credit, came out the next day and said Missouri basically got robbed of 13 seconds there in the, in the, in the final minute. Now, that's not to say Drew Locke would have gone and scored, but they were moving the ball. Um, mm -hmm. And then the next year, you know, you get that untimed down, um, on the really questionable pass interference penalty that, you know, probably still bothers Barry Oden to this day. And definitely and bothers Mark, Demarcus AC and Jim Sterk and everybody involved in that play. So it's not like Kentucky has dominated the, the games in this series, but they did last year. That game last year, I think 29 to 7 was the final score, and it did not seem that close in person. It was raining. It was nasty. And Kentucky just played the style that it plays. It just ran the ball at will played really good defense and Missouri looked like it was completely uninterested, uninterested in playing that game. So now comes in Eli Drinkwitz. I give him credit. I asked him the other day, um, when you inherit a losing streak like this, do you ignore it completely or do you play it up? He's like, Oh no, you play it up. Just his motivation. He's like, we yeah. all know he even asked the players. He said, give me a show of hands of who is beating Kentucky in this room. And nobody raised their hand. There's nobody on Crickets. the staff. Right. Beating Kentucky at least at least as a part of Missouri staff, nobody has. Um, so, yeah, I think you play that up for sure. And, um, you know, these guys don't – it's not that this is a rivalry by any means, but you don't want to be a senior and finish your career at Missouri and not beat Kentucky. It's not the same as going winless against Georgia or Alabama. And that's not a knock on Kentucky, but they're just – they're not in the same uh, – they're just not in the same tier. This is kind of – really, the SEC East is basically Florida and Georgia – and then a bunch of other teams that like to stand around and point at each other and say, well, we're not as bad as these guys. Yeah. And right now Kentucky's leading that group. I mean, Kentucky is out, out ahead of the pack and it's a credit to Mark Stoops and also a credit to Kentucky for keeping him there. I mean, he could have bounced to more desirable jobs. They have grown that job as he has grown the program. I mean, he's, 
he's kind of got some pinkle tendencies. I mean, just in terms of him, his willingness to stay and make the job better and let, and let them keep him versus feeling like he has to jump. There aren't many guys who do this anymore. I think Stoops deserves a lot of credit for that, um, for getting some people to pay attention to football in a place that's just rabid crazy about, about basketball. On the field, Dave, the key to this one seems to be how well Missouri defends the run. Now, they did that well against LSU, but let's be honest, LSU didn't try to run in the first half. They tried to get to it in the second, and it wasn't there. They had no traction, and that's that was a good job by Missouri's defense. But Kentucky will not wait to try to establish the run. Terry Wilson, their quarterback, he's serviceable, but he would probably rather run it as much as he wants to, to air it out. They've got a good sophomore running back. And they, they just pound the ball. They want to run, and, and they're going to do it unabashedly. And if you, can, if you let them average five yards per carry, they're going to do that all game. I, the other side, Kentucky's defense is really stout. I don't yeah. think, you know, look at the past two games, I don't think Missouri wants to be in a spot where it feels like it has to hang 40, 45-plus every Saturday to win. And, and you certainly don't want to have to try to score that against this Kentucky defense. It's too good. Yeah, this the Kentucky defense, they've had three defensive touchdowns last two games, and I think they've allowed one offensive touchdown. So they're doing something right. And sometimes you can say those things are kind of luck and just being in the right place at the right time. But you got to put yourself in that position, you know, to be in the right place. They've got nine interceptions this year. Missouri has zero. You know, those, wow. those things don't happen by accident all the time. They're forcing the issue. They play coverage. They, they don't really blitz a whole lot. They sit back and wait for you to make a mistake, and then they pounce on it. And uh, I think the first quarter of this game is going to be really pivotal because if, if Kentucky can get to a lead, they can sit behind that massive offensive line and that running game and just keep Connor Bazelak off the field. On the other hand, this is the kind of opponent where if you can get up on them early, it's going to be a little harder for them to come back because they don't have a great passing game. That's just not who they are. That's not their identity. So a quick start would be really fortunate for Missouri if they can do that. It's going to be tough for Bazelak though. I mean, as, as much as, the great athletes that Ed Orgeron has on that LSU defense, they have not played anywhere near what this Kentucky defense has done this year. And uh, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game for Missouri's offense. If they win this game, they will definitely earn it because it'll be a, a line of scrimmage type game. And I know we don't think about Kentucky necessarily in terms of this new age SEC team like Alabama that has all these great receivers and they can live with playing a little bit bad defense because they've got this prolific offense they're almost old school. They're, they're kind of what you used to think of the SEC. And uh, that it, it's won a lot of games for Mark Stoops there. It's kind of one of those things that beating LSU was the flashy win. But yeah. by the end of this season, a win against Kentucky, losing the ending this losing streak against Kentucky and beating this sound defense, that might be a more impressive win yeah. to, you know, those who really dig into to how good this team should be. And they're rolling now. I mean, Kentucky kind of looked a little, uh, a little, a little slow to start early in the season. They lose, of course, to to Auburn, and then that crazy game against Ole Miss, that forty-two to forty-one overtime loss. But then since then, you got Mississippi State win twenty-four-two. That was no points allowed. That was a safety, and then just a complete thumping of Tennessee in Knoxville, thirty-four to seven. That defense is allowed what a touchdown in, in the past two games, as you mentioned, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be pretty serious in terms of challenging the offense. Are we going to get a chance to see maybe 
Connor Bays like look human at times in this game. I just don't want I don't want people to be disappointed when Connor Bays like right. doesn't come out and look like Peyton Manning in his prime um, because this is going to be a, a taller a taller order for him as a as a as an individual and also his offense. It will be, and also Mark Stoops has the advantage of having a game now, a full game, to to watch and learn about Bazelak and learn more about this this offense. There won't be as many surprises. Now, I'm sure Drinkwitz will come out with some unconventional plays and some trick plays and things like that, but I, I, I just think the more you play, the, the less you can, um, you know, throw curveballs at somebody because they're going to be ready for everything because they've seen more. And, and Stoops is just a really good defensive coach. He's got a good defensive staff, so – yeah, if, if he if Bazelak plays well in this game, whether they win or lose, and he's able to move the ball up and down the field, um, we'll, we'll know a lot more about what this kid is made of. And I think he'll be up to it. It's just a matter for him, and I'm going to write about this more later in the week, he just hasn't seen much as far as college defenses go. I mean, they're trying to – Drinkwitz used the, the phrase, they try to microwave things for him and, and just <laughs> give them as much as they can in a short amount of time. But there's just don't, so many hours in the day to – to take a redshirt freshman who just hasn't played much college football and say, here, here's what playing against an SEC defense is. Oh, by the way, here's another one. Oh, and here's another right. one. It's, yes. it's a challenge. It really is. And, and uh, if they can do it, then all the credit to them. All right, Dave, when we zoom out and look around the SEC, you tell me, man, I look at this schedule and I kind of wonder if, if, if your most interesting pick of the, of the week might be the one that, that we're going to be covering in Columbia between Missouri in Kentucky, uh, you know, yeah. we've got Auburn at Ole Miss, Alabama at Tennessee, Kentucky at Missouri, South Carolina at LSU. What if, if you're not, I guess, uh, are you picking the Mizzou one? And, and if not, who, who's more interesting to you this week? Well, it's got the it's got the lowest point spread. So it's it's Vegas thinks it'll be the most competitive game of the four. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen at South Carolina LSU game. I mean, it, can LSU, they, they had the time off now. Uh, Miles Brennan, it sounds like he's not going to play. He he got hurt in that Missouri game early in the game. Um, South Carolina had a nice win last week over Auburn. It was considered an upset if you watched it. I didn't really feel like it was an upset. They just looked like the better team. Right. And Will Muschamp came into this season, you know, really on sort of on the hot seat. I mean, he hasn't really gotten much done there, and they're kind of backsliding a little bit. But they look like a, a solid, functional team that is better than – maybe outsiders thought. So if, if they win this game in Baton Rouge, um, you know, his job that he's got there would seem pretty secure. And then you kind of start wondering, man, how low is it going to get for LSU if, um, if they're losing home games now? So I, that one's fairly interesting. I just, it's, it's almost just the process of elimination. I mean, Auburn has just not looked good at all. Ole Miss is always exciting for what they can do offensively, but it's they're struggling to turn it into wins. Allergic to defense. And Al- at this point, Alabama against anybody, much less this reeling Tennessee team. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, if you just want to watch some good offense, you watch what Alabama and their receivers can do, Mac Jones. But otherwise, there's not much, not much enticing about that one. We'll end it here, Dave, uh, because it's on everybody's mind. Voting. Um, it's we've seen it in college sports talked about more than we probably ever have pro sports as well. Eli Drinkwitz made some comments this week that really explain why he's encouraging his his players to get registered to vote, why he's encouraging them to to get out and vote, not telling them what which way to do it or what to right. think about who they vote for. But, hey, we're going to make this a part of what we do. We want this. We want our players to be involved in this uh, in this process. 
Yeah, you know, the NCAA made that rule this year that all athletes, college athletes, get the day off on election day. And even yeah. though there's, there's so much absentee voting and so much mail-in voting that a, a lot of them may vote and they may already have voted, uh, I, I think it was a smart thing to do. I think everything that, that we saw unfold this summer with a lot of the social justice causes, um, you know, athletes, young people were encouraged to get involved in the process. And I don't think maybe the average fan understands what a day in the life of some of these college athletes are like when you're talking about the meetings that they have to go to, um, the practice that they have to have, the film study they have to have, the class, then they have to go to classes, you know, whether those are online or um, in person. Um, there's not a lot of time to get out and go to the polls, you know, and, and I think it's really just a smart, sensible idea. I can't believe it took this long for the NCAA to come up with this this rule that that they get the day off and, um, and so Missouri's going to do that like everybody else and Eli is encouraging his players to vote if they haven't already you know so many of them went down and registered this summer when they had that march on campus those are a lot of those were out-of-state kids that um, may have been registered back home probably not but now they're you know they registered to vote here in in Boone County in Columbia so um, you know he it, it's really a it'd be a really bad look if you stood in the way of this Dabo Sweeney a couple of weeks ago made a comment like, I don't understand why we have to do this. Uh, most of our kids, you know, have already voted. So why do we need the day off? Well, there's just, what is the upside of saying that? You know, don't, don't be, don't be the one standing in the way of this. It's like, a, we can get political here, but like who in the world out there is trying to discourage voting? I mean, that is, it's, <laughs> you've got some hidden agendas there, or maybe not even hidden if you don't want people to vote. Um, that's that's enough of that. But I I applaud Eli. I think people make a mistake if they assume that these coaches are always going to vote the same way their players are going to vote, or they're pushing them a certain way to vote. These coaches are a much different tax bracket than these college students are in, and they may look at things differently. <laughs> yeah. They come sure. from different socio. People look at things differently as they get older, and it's right. just geographical but, backgrounds. So they're yeah. not telling their players who to vote for. Uh, that would be that would get out very easily, but. I just think they want them to be in part and empower them to be part of the process. Yeah, I think more uh, more people should be encouraged to have time, a full day, to go vote on that day, if not before. Um, because, yeah, it's easy. Well, we won't go down that rabbit hole. But I do think that it's cool that college sports are leading the charge here and uh, being part of this, this conversation. So credit to Eli Drinkwitz. Quickly, Dave, before we go, we've got to give some credit to Barry Odom. Um, I uh, talked to the former Mizzou coach this week. I was trying to get him to do an interview. They've got a, we'll maybe catch up later. He's not doing interviews right now, but we had a great talk. He's really doing well at, at, at Arkansas. And it sounds like based off the SEC teleconference this week, he's the talk of the, uh, the talk of the town in the, uh, in the coaches circles about how his Arkansas defense is holding up against some of these pass happy point prolific SEC offenses. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas is two and two, which is so much better than they've been. They've, they just look like a competent, functional team out there. Defense is a major reason for it. They should be three and one. The SEC screwed up the last minute, the official screwed up the last minute of that Auburn game. And he's getting a ton of credit for it, um, you know, to the point where Auburn's or Arkansas better have to hold, they better try to hold on to him. Because if I'm Nick Saban, if I'm Ed Orgeron, if I need a coordinator this offseason or Kirby Smart or whoever, you know, Barry's line is going to get, his phone is going to start blowing up. I mean, let's not forget too, all these guys have the same agent. So um, Jimmy Sexton will be working his angles on trying to get Barry either a raise at Arkansas or another job somewhere else. Um, you know, if, if they, 
keep playing this out and keep playing this way. You know, he's going to be a candidate for the Broyles award. And with that usually comes head coaching jobs. And I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's ready or he would want to dive into a power five job yet. I mean, you don't turn him down necessarily, but you know, a group of five job, a good one out there. I, I think he would, he'd be fine at, um, but yeah, it's, it's good to see for him. I'm not surprised either. I mean, he's, he's a good defensive coordinator. He's a good defensive coach. It's, it's a different job than what he had at Missouri these last four years, but um, they look good. They really, really do. I mean, nobody, you can't write down Arkansas as an automatic win if you're anybody, unless you're Alabama. Man, I, they got 10 picks, 10 yeah. interceptions so far uh, this season. Ball Hawks, and he's doing it with some backups and some walk-ons. Yeah. It's not, they're not exactly fully healthy, that defense. So anyway, I'm happy for Coach Odom. I do think, uh, I do think he's going to be a successful head coach. Um, in part because of some of the things he went through at Mizzou eventually, but but certainly knows defense, and, and I'm happy to see him having success as Mizzou has a lot of optimism and encouragement under under Eli Drinkwitz. So with that being said, Dave, we will cover Mizzou, Kentucky, not Mizzou, Florida on Saturday. We'll have live coverage from Columbia. You and I both will be there at, uh, at Faroe Field. Until then, we encourage folks to check out all of Dave's Mizzou coverage at stltoday.com. You can find our podcast Easy to find, stltoday.com slash podcast, even easier. The Apple Music Store podcast place, whatever they call it, that I can never remember to say right. You can find it there or anywhere else we have podcasts. Just punch in the Eye on the Tigers podcast. For Dave, I'm Ben. We will talk to you next week.